Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now here's your host for this week, Kep Crab. Welcome everyone to Relational Spirituality, a larger story podcast where you belong, you become, and you can be known in the story that's going on right now. I'm your host today, Kep Crab. In this quarter, Relational Spirituality will be focused on the themes and the thoughts from the book Soul Talk, a book written in 2003. And a, and a book used uh, by many counselors over the years as kind of a kind of a roadmap to having rich, deep conversations that matter. And if you uh, don't have a copy of Soul Talk now, go to LargerStory.com and order one today. So as we dive into our discussion today, I've got some uh, some special people that are joining me. I've got Roseanne Moore, who many of you know. She also hosts a podcast on relational spirituality. She's a colleague of mine, and she's actually recovering from emergency appendectomy surgery a few weeks ago. So I'm grateful that she's joining us today and has the strength. So thank you, Roseanne, for joining us today for sure. And our guests today, two guys who are both very special to me, um, both are seasoned counselors, uh, seasoned counselors, excuse me, who are now looking back on years of talking with people about their lives. And I spent this past weekend uh, with one of these gentlemen who is in a part of the small group that my wife and I are part of. And uh, we've been part of this group for the last year and a half. And this was the first time that we got to gather together. And it was uh, it was super fun. And um, the spirit was hovering over the weekend, as we say. And we're just hoping that that happens in our conversation today. The other guest that's going to be joining us today is also a close friend of my family's. He's, uh, he's a counselor and he's been part of a small group with my folks uh, for Tom, has it been two decades? How long was that group wrote? Yeah, we started about 2001. So, so it's been, it, it, it was a long, it was about 20 years when Larry was still alive. Yep. When, so, so the better part of two decades for sure. And, uh, I just want to say to everyone watching today that, that, uh, that these two guys don't know each other. They've not met. Um, and, uh, but I, but they're really cut out of the same cloth and, um, and I'm super excited to have them both joining us today. So welcome Brian Fast and Tom Board to our discussion today. Guys, thanks for joining us. Me too. <laughs> well, this is going to be fun. We have been um, super excited about having you two join us. So let's just start today with a couple of quick questions. The first question is, is give us a little bit of your, your counseling background, how long you've been involved in counseling, where you started, where you are now, some of those kind of things, just some, some background on each of you. And then the second question to this is, how has Larry Crabb's influence played into some of the counseling that you guys have, have been a part of for the last few years? Tom, why don't you go first? Sure. Glad to. Um, it's an interesting story. I started in college as a civil engineer and uh, never practiced. I graduated as a civil engineer, but the Navigators, a Christian organization, asked me to come on staff. And I was on staff with them for 15 years working with college students and through a series of events, um, my life kind of fell apart. And uh, the joke in my family is I spent $10,000 on my marriage and just happened to get a counseling degree. <laughs> I went to Grace Theological Seminary where I met, uh, you know, Danny Ellender and Larry Crabb. And I, I went there just to kind of save my marriage and ended up being a counselor. So it's a kind of a strange beginning where 
Um, I was out of 53, 54 students. I was the, one of the few that had no intention of being a counselor, but um, those guys actually saw something in me and asked me to stay on. And I moved out here to Colorado when they moved out. So I've been, I've been counseling since about 89, 1989. And um, I would say for the first, oh, 10 years or so, 10, 12 years, um, most of my counseling experience was based out of what I had learned from Larry during the counseling program. And it, it, it really was, uh, there's a lot of fundamental things that were the same, but things kind of changed with Larry in uh, around the 2000 era where he began to really ponder um, the Trinity and how that affects relationality and how you actually chat with people. Um, so for me, um, I, I was, it wasn't like I was distant from understanding Larry's thinking because um, it was kind of all formative in there, but somewhere around the early 2000s, you know, when I started meeting with him in a spiritual formation group, I went to an SSD I began to really contemplate that the way I was sitting with people really needed to change. And I was beginning to experience that where I could sit with somebody and out of my sheer competency, which <laughs> sadly I have a lot of it, I could depend on my competency and yeah. not the spirit to sit with somebody and they would feel very ministered to. But I really fe felt there was something missing as I was sitting with people. And I think through... Um, you know, Larry's uh, talks uh, going through SSD, I began to kind of notice that there might be a different way for me to sit with people. And I made a commitment. I remember very clearly, I was at Glen Erie where I made a commitment. So I've been a counselor for 10 or 12 years. I made a commitment. I'm going to try to go a different way with people. And uh, it was very difficult. I lost nine clients in the first month because the direction I was going was not th the way that they thought counseling should look. And so it has been a long journey over the last 20 years to begin to realize that I really, and, and from my heart, really want to go a different way. And uh, I, I would say that it's had a, a major impact in both my comfortability as far as what I do. And at other times, the confusion that I feel with, I sit with people, because frankly, if you're really kind of leaning on the spirit, there are times you really have no clue what to say. And for a company guy, I hate that. <laughs> I want to know something to say. I want to be able to go some direction and to really surrender that and say, no, I can't go that way. So it's really that, had a pretty big impact. That was the first question that came to my mind. Like for, for an engineer, I would yeah. think you're pretty precise. You like things a certain way, or you would have approached life that way early on. It sounds like you've made a big shift in being willing to open your hands and not have to have things that way. Is that? Yeah. Rosette, yeah. Rosanne, the, the program kind of blew me up. Um, <laughs> you know, best way. I mean, I was a, a, literally a mess for 12 months. Uh -huh. And um, I think that's one of the reasons they liked me is that I was willing to be a mess because um, yeah. there was a reason why precision and, um, you know, non-relating, you know, if you had talked to any of the people that I was a staff trainer for the navigators in the Midwest region, none of them would have come to me if they had deep issues mm -hmm. because I, I just wouldn't go there. And what I didn't know was that there's a lot of story to my life that was kind of, uh, uh, kind of locked inside. And that came out in that 12 months. And that really 
exposed me to there's a depth to me that I had no idea I had. And that really changed my whole life. It just was, it's not that any of the past is gone. I could probably still do all that kind of, you know, ministry that I'd done, but I found a deeper passion in me that kind of let me on a different trajectory. So that, that's a great observation. It's really true. My wife would say um, he was, he was a man that I could hardly recognize after two years. Wow. wow. In a good way. <laughs> in, well, in a good way. That's right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And she would know <laughs> more would than know. anybody. Yes. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, so that has me. Okay. I don't know where we want to go with this cup. I don't want to take over, but that has me curious, but I don't want to shut Brian out of the conversation. Oh, fine. I'm, I'm happy to connect this way too. No, this is fun. I want to introduce Brian though. Brian um, is part of our small group. He and his wife, Jean, were just with, uh, with our group and we've got um, uh, uh, several couples and a widow in there and the widow uh, is blind and she's just uh, the sweetest gal on the planet. And Brian and Jean stayed with her this weekend, and um, we were uh, we just all had a chance to to get, get together and fellowship and eat a lot and talk a lot and talk a lot about some good things. And um, and so Brian's become a real special friend of mine. And um, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe some of uh, some of the crab influence on your counseling, perhaps. Yeah, sure. Um, my my original interest in psychology uh, came with some observations my mother had of me that. In junior high and high school, people would gravitate to me to have conversations. And it, it was usually their problem bringing the conversation, initiating the conversation. And I would listen and they would leave kind of feeling helped. And I really didn't notice that, but she noticed that and uh, encouraged me to pursue psychology. And I, I went to a secular undergraduate school and and really didn't like psychology and decided I would like to get into may maybe becoming a pastor. I went to a Bible school for a year and then very much felt called to apply to the Biola um, Graduate School, which was Rosemead uh, Graduate School of Psychology at Biola University. And that was a, a pretty clinical, purist sort of program. We learned to be psychotherapists and they, they would even um, look with a critical eye on you if you wanted to s start a session in prayer. It was it, that that would that that would that that wouldn't be uh, uh, really welcome, uh, at least at the time. But uh, even at Biola, yeah, it 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 just it's not clean psychotherapy. It could influence the client in one way or another. And, you know, introduce too much into the relationship that, that's from you, from the therapist. I, I, I started that way and gradually over years, I uh, viewed myself as, as on a journey from being a, a clinical psychotherapist to being a pastoral counselor. That's the way I thought of myself when I started to read and, and hear uh, your, your dad's uh, books and, and talks. Um, I went to a, a pre-conference that Larry did called an evangelical approach to spiritual direction at a American Association for Christian Counselors uh, conference. And I was really, really drawn to what he had to say, learned for the first time about SSDs and next steps and signed up right away. And uh, Tom, I, I didn't 
I didn't know that my marriage was a mess until I got to SSD and started to uh, have some influence from the spiritual director that worked with me. And that then my life blew up. <laughs> and then, then I, it, it was actually a great help to, to see how selfish and self-centered I was. And I continue to struggle with that as, as a man, as a person, as a husband. Um, but it was the first real experience of my need for grace and, and being grateful for grace. I didn't think I needed much forgiveness before then. I thought I was a pretty snazzy guy, you know. My wife was lucky to have me. And wow, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm used to saying it now. It's just, um, it's quite a perspective shift. Um, one thing I'll, I'll mention just about my graduate training. I We were um, mandated to have a year of, of group psychotherapy and a year of individual psychotherapy. First, we had the group. And then we had the individual. And I think they got it backwards. In, in retrospect, I'm, I'm because of how Larry taught about the Trinity and community, I am and soul talk and what we're talking about now, I am convinced that maturity has to do with how we relate to other people, how we put God on display by the way we relate to one another in community. And I, I think it would have been great to have individual therapy to get to see what some of my issues were. And then uh, from a more mature place, start to relate and practice and experiment with relating different in community. But uh, that's what we're doing in small group. <laughs> that uh, kept mentioned that we're in the same small group. Tom, I think it's really cool that you are in Larry's small group and I get to be in Larry's son's small group and we're practicing community together. It, it, it's so special. So I'm, uh, I'm curious for both of you then, um, how has learning to engage your own story, like Tom was talking about, um, and seeing God meet you in your story and shape you as you've been willing to do that, as you've been willing to engage your own heart and your own story, how has that changed perhaps how you're, how you're ministering to other people, how you're counseling, how you're relating to, you talked about your, both of you about your marriages. Um, what, how has that shaped you? Well, um, I'll start off. I'll, I don't mean to do that each time, but I'm glad to. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, one of the things that Larry talks about in soul talk and, and again, it's been so long since I read that, but I, I know that one of the elements that he puts words to is the idea of, um, passion, what's going on inside of you. And the idea that the other one is thinking beneath. And I, I think that, um, and I just, I, I was talking to someone this morning is the reason that I feel so comfortable talking with people is I don't feel distant from them and their messed upness. I know my fallen nature is very real and very active in getting in the way all the time of, <laughs> of my listening to people and my actually um, pondering what the spirit might be doing. And until there's some level of awareness and repentance on my part, as far as what's going on inside of me, I really can't hear people very well. And, you know, I can go through a day and I can have a session where I am 
super engaged with what's going on inside of me and engaged with it. And I can have another session same day where I'm just, I'm just lost in my head. I'm thinking about lunch. I'm thinking about, you know, what am I going to do? And then when I get home, I mean, I'm all over the place and I have to constantly be repenting just to kind of stay focused on somebody. And so I, I think that really has had an impact on really understanding what does it take to be present with somebody, to really be there for somebody else um, it is, is an internal journey to actually journey well with them. And I, 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 I think that's one of the ways that's really impacted me is just being a lot more conscious of, of what's going on in me at the same time listening to them. And when you were talking about soul talk, uh, the think beneath and think vision and think passion and think story, you know, all of the, the themes from soul talk, you know, how they play into to how you, how you guys talk with people in the, in an office setting, but, but also, you know, and I know both of you personally, I, um, and um, and why I think both of you are cut from the same cloth. And what I said earlier is because I feel safe around you, both of you. Um, and Tom, you and I've had some some deep discussions. Obviously, Brian and I've had several deep discussions in, in group put together. But um, but there's something about you guys that um, that gives you a, a feeling of safety. And Dad really brought that to the table as well. I saw that with him all the time, and I you know. I think your whole notion, Tom, as you talk about, you know, being focused, I remember dad, that big line is he's talking with someone in the office and he's thinking to himself, of course, wow, this person really needs professional help. And I, <laughs> this is Larry Crabb, Mr. PhD, who I, I always called him the Roger Federer of the, uh, of the, the counseling world. And, you know, but, but to understand and, and the humility that both of you guys come into this with um, is something that I think is, is, is really attractive and, and freeing and makes you feel open. Because you guys break all the rules of counseling, it would seem. Um, similar to kind of the goodwill hunting piece. You know, you're telling your story and you're getting involved. And as opposed, you know, like Brian, you mentioned, you know, I can't pray with my client before I before I meet with them. It's like, hold it. You know, that's that's an interesting piece. But you're probably at the point now where I, I want to pray with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Rosemead is different in, in their teaching now on that. But that's where we that's where we started. But that whole idea of safety and how Larry how he modeled it uh, and, and what he taught, I think that that really, one of my favorite uh, ways that Larry would start a, a talk is, and I don't know if you guys remember him doing this, but um, the first time I heard him speak, he said, just, just getting up after opening in prayer, he said, is anyone else a mess like I am? He's looking for a show of hands, you know? And it just, I felt safe with him. You know, and what the, the way Tom was talking, he's repenting to the Lord in the middle of a session. If he gets distracted or something, that's I'm going to be safe with a man that's doing that. And I, I've been taught that same way. Um, I, I used to I, I used to counsel out of my false self of, of wanting to wanting to have it together, to know what to say, to to have the client leave thinking I'm, I'm a smart person or I'm a helpful person and just, you know, basically um, managing an impression. So I felt good. And now that's something I have to repent of because that gets in the way of me being present to the spirit and really caring for the, the other person. Um, but it's freeing to be able to just, you know, admit that about myself and, and know I need grace for that and know there is grace for that. And then that can get out of the way. And now I'm ready to, to move with the spirit toward another person for their group. And I, I, I will, 
I, it's not a formula, but I'm much more comfortable sharing where I've sinned, where I've needed forgiveness, what my the mistakes and selfishness in my life with, with a client when, when it's relevant, when the spirit guides in that direction. And I think that's part of what makes us safe. And I, I, I see both you guys and I, and I hear your stories, you know, kind of what we wanted to talk about almost for the second half of our conversation is how do you deal with things going on in your life as you're getting ready to go into a counseling session? Because I used to think my dad had the toughest, the toughest job in the world. He had to go talk to people about their problems for eight hours and then come home and deal with me and my brother. And I thought, wow, that is so tough. I felt bad for him. But his big thing to us was always, uh, even with New Way Ministries and certainly what we're trying to do with Larger Story, is you got to get it in before you get it out. So when you're struggling with your wives or you've got some relational tensions, how does that impact you guys as counselors? Yeah, well, um, I would say early on, I used to just deny it and 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 just kind of pretend everything was fine. And, and I don't think I did a very good job of self-care, proper self-care in, in, in terms of taking it to the Lord in community. Now, as we've already mentioned, I'm in a group with you. I have a great context to deal with issues in our, what we call our homies group, the, the homies. Um, and I'm in a, a Saturday morning men's group where I have an opportunity to do that as well. And our counseling group uh, is about 10, 10 counselors besides myself. And, and we can be there for each other as well. I, I think it's just, it's crazy to go through life. Just, it's just me and Jesus. Like, like my walk with God only involves just him and me. I, I think that's sin. I think it's taught against in scripture. We're supposed to assemble together. And I don't think it means just going in ch to church and looking at the, the back of the head of the, of, of the person in front of you. You know, it's, it's turning face to face, having soul talk conversations like, like the book talks about and, and really having context where I can be real with, with other people about what's going on in me and let them be Jesus to me and vice versa. Um, that, that makes me a, a much more effective counselor. And I'm, when, when it comes to listening well to another person or couple, and also I'm going to counsel them to have that kind of uh, life themselves where they're involved in, a, in at least one community of people where they can say anything and and be known and accepted for who they are um I, it's it's huge and i didn't know that for many years yeah. i think you put your finger on something important about church often in at least here in the u.s we think of preaching services as going to church we yeah. don't think of relating with a bot, a community of people as that and teaching can be a part of that, but that the, it's that relating to one another as a body that is really what the church is called to. Um, that's yeah. a, that's an important, I think, thing that gets missed a lot of times. And I think it's a lot, it's the reason a lot of people feel empty. Um, they can be going to church, but they but it can feel empty because there's no real relating going on too often. Yes. So. That passage in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, um, we're used to the first part of it. 
don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But right after it, it says, and think and consider, which means think really, really deep about how to provoke or stir one another up to love and good good works. How we stir one another up to love and good works is, is not in a lecture format at church, in at traditional Sunday morning church. It's it's in the, the circle of a small group and being real with each other in the presence of the spirit where we represent him to one another. That was one of dad's favorite passages. And and, and the focus of that is the stirring up. Yes. What do we do now as, as we stir up each other? Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know with you and Jenny, um, obviously you're not in a small group with mom and dad anymore. Um, if you are, I'd like to sit in on that one with you for a while. <laughs> um, but, um, but what are you guys doing uh, for, for community now? I know all of us in, in, and I know all of our stories a little bit, We've all had challenges with church, um, and some maybe more severe than others, but 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 nonetheless challenges. And so, as we, uh, you know, as you were talking, Brian, and you're talking about the groups. I'm in a in a men's group with two other guys that are 75 years old. Um, so I'm the, the the junior by 20 years, and getting a chance to to journey with these guys has been really interesting for me. And obviously, the group with you, and I get a chance to do this with Roseanne all the time and talk with people and. Um, in in a, in a deep way, but but so Tom, what are you uh, what are you doing? What are you and Jenny doing now for community in respect to some of that kind of stuff? Well, uh, to, to put it in a, in a context of kind of just how we think about it, um, it goes back to your other question was, um, you know, what what goes on for us when you know, I'm working at my office, I'm coming home to be with my kids, my family, whatever it was. Um, probably one of the things that that has struck me over the years is that um, I have an opportunity all day long to be in relationship with people that the spirit kind of brings into my path. And the difficulty is, is that all day long and every day I'm in different places internally. And so um, one of the things that I've had to get very comfortable with, and I think Jenny and I, I this is going to lead into your question, answering your question, Cap, is that, um, when we're around people, sometimes people, and that could be my wife, could be my kids, my friends, clients, they could be needing a million dollars from me internally. And I'm, I have maybe 20 bucks in my pocket. That's all I have. And, and having learned um, a bit in this journey, and it's been very, very painful to learn this thing because I've, I'm kind of like Brian. I, I really, as I mentioned before, I like to be competent. So to feel to feel the incompetency and inadequacy in myself is always a temptation to kind of um, try to manage the space. And what I've tried to learn to do is learn how to give my twenty dollars, how to how to give whatever it is that I have freely to those that are in front of me and who I'm with. And, and so that has been a very freeing thing relationally for us. And Jenny and I are in that place that it's not just about being in a, a particular community, though we do have relationships with people, we're a part of a church, um, but it's more of a mindset that we have that when we're ever around anybody um, to try to ask the question, what is it that I have to offer and what can I give? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive that very deep thought. And, and I go for developing community, even in our, in our spiritual formation group, um, we really, it took a number of years. It took about five or six years to get really comfortable that we, that we weren't measuring ourselves or, um, uh, over being self-conscious about what's going on inside to really just give what we could give. And if it wasn't going anywhere to relax with that, 
and and to get very comfortable with ourselves in in a, in a place where we're trying to actually listen to what's going on inside of us. So um, that's kind of how I'd respond to it because I think it kind of fits together as far as just the whole way we look at relating. So we've got about five or six couples. We don't we're not in a, a formation group, but we just have five or six couples that we're just close to. Yeah. And these are people that and they're around the country that we can just talk to at any time. And we do. Um, I don't think we'll ever be able to uh, replicate what we had with Larry. That's just not going to happen. OK, he he brought a certain sense to that. But I think each of us that are in the group, um, we know that we have something to offer to the people that we relate with. And so we just try to give that. So church is a little different. We have a few people at church where. Uh, the pastor and the executive pastor and some other people in the church where they are journeyers. And so they are messy people and we can kind of relate at a messy level, which just opens all sorts of doors to really talking about our lives in really good ways. And so that's been a real encouragement for us. I just have another thought about the, the link between work life and home life. Uh, that you brought up, Roseanne, and how we manage. Um, I just have a distinct impression of, of the Lord showing me that he wants me to be a better husband than I am a counselor. Mm. I was I was once uh, pretty nervous ahead of a session. Not, not that that's an unusual <laughs> or isolated event. Sometimes I am nervous before sessions quite often. But just in, in particular, I, I was anxious anxious that it went well, anxious that I got out of the way. And I, I prayed, I think, correctly, Lord, you know, please help me to get out of the way. You've got to, if, if, if you're not in charge of the session, nothing good is going to happen. I submit to you. I was on my knees, actually, in, in my closed office, uh, praying that way before I went down the hall to greet the client. And when I put my hand on the doorknob to open my, my office door to go out to greet the client, as I started to open the door, the Lord impressed on my heart, Brian, why do you pray like that on your way home? Mm, wow. Yeah. 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 And and it was a question, actually, why don't you pray like that on your way home? Because my my false self is I want to show up as a good counselor, but I don't I don't I kind of take it easy at home and assume everything's going to be fine at home without that kind of energy and, and dependence on the spirit. And the Lord really, in a good way, convicted me that he he wants me to rely on him as much or more for how I come through the door to greet Gene than how I go through the, the, the door to greet my clients. Well, thanks for joining us today on Relational Spirituality. And please join us next week for part two of our conversation, Counseling from the Other Side, a look into the mind of a counselor. And remember, we can all play a part in his larger story. Have a great week. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com. Thank you.